This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Futurology Show. Um, a bit of an interesting one. So we're like not quite at the end of the year, but B2 is gone. Um, but I'm sure you'll be listening. If he isn't, I'll hunt him down. And uh, I actually have roped uh, Neil Munchies back in as well, like I always do when I'm uh, needing to have someone to talk to, so I don't seem a bit skit. So hello, Neil. How is it, Brett? I'm just feeling like uh, I'm, a, I'm a second choice over here. You know what? You're my first second choice. <laughs> okay, if, if, if that makes you feel better, you're definitely my first second choice. You're like my go-to guy. Well, if we put it off today, maybe B2 doesn't ever come back. You know what? Eh? Not a bad idea. But next week, I, I think I've tempted him back out of hiding or holiday mode. Because um, we've got Brett St. Clair joining us, B3. B3, okay. So we might get another threesome in just before. Hey, it's the festive season, so threesomes are always good. Um, so basically, as you know, always app of the week. And this one's quite interesting. And I know you're only joining us for a little bit of a start just to like hold my get hand into, while I get going before I sit and talk solo. <laughs> and I do have a guest later on. So it's great that you're going to sit with me for a bit. So this app is called Chwazi. C-H-W-A-Z or Z-R, Chwazi. And I was actually at the Geek of the Year um, tournament last night. Did you get the prize? I did. No, I'm only the fourth geek. Only the fourth geek. Yeah, I came fourth. What are the criteria? So you just got to – well, some of the guys still had zits. But it was actually – it's the programmer's meetup. So you know what meetup is? Meetup is like that app where you – Join people of like-minded interests. Sure. Okay. The very so, geeky app. No, no. There's lots of them, huh? There's like spiritualists and fun seekers and board gamers. And so I, I'm i a member of the um, programmers one, like for code and programming and developers and that. The developers user group. That's the, the, the proper name. So instead of the monthly meeting where, we, where people just talk about code and like cool stuff that's happening in dev – they decided because it's the festive season, they're going to do – not decide, it's their sixth year, I think. And that was actually one of the questions. Um, they have like this whole um, team quiz evening, okay? So they, you group into teams of three or more. We were four. And uh, they ask you questions. So they have different categories, and then they ask you these questions. Um, I'm very proud to say that when it came to logos, my years in the creative industry paid off because we got 13 out of 15, and I definitely contributed most of them. Um, we, 13 out of the 15? Yeah. Wow. I, just they show you the logo, and you Is that your client it. logos that you that No, you these are like, like Apple, for example. The very first Apple logo is not the one you know. It's a tree with Benjamin Franklin sitting under it. I don't know if you know oh, that. No, I didn't at all. So that was one of them. Um, and then they even had logos from TV shows. So just showing the real geek. So like um, Wayne Industries from Batman, mm-hmm. that logo was up there, you know. Um, but where I really got unstuck is we got to the category of language as in code. So you've heard of C++ or Python or Ruby on Rails, maybe Java, those type of things. Is that a, from an Eastern European country somewhere? <laughs> you see. <laughs> but um, so the, here's the freaky part, right? So they put they put code up. Now, it's all the same words and hyphens and semicolons, just in different orders. And from there, you've got to identify what the language is. I sat there, like, dumbstruck. I didn't, I don't think I identified one. In fact, there was even a fake one in there that the presenter created, which most people got. Okay. But here's where it gets interesting. So I threw a couple of the names, like Python, Ruby on Rails, C. There's a programming language called Brainfuck. You're joking. I promise you. And they all got it. Okay. These guys said, oh, that's brain fuck. Or is it mind fuck? And I'm like, can you imagine the conversation with parents? So what do you want to be when you're older? I'm going to be a programmer. Awesome. And what language are you going to program in? Well, brain fuck. <laughs> you know? The other one was cucumber pirate. 
So again, like I'm here for the job interview, and you are on the cucumber pirate no, developer. They're taking, they're taking the. They're not Chris. taking the piss, buddy. They all got it. They all. The, the, there was examples of code on the screen. Um, but the so fun, you're obviously not geeky enough. No, I'm not geeky enough on that <laughs> side. Um, and then the best part, you know, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Yes. So randomly, in amongst all these slides and questions, he would appear, a little picture of him, and you'd just stand up and say Bazinga, you know, and then you'd you'd get a prize. I got a Bazinga prize. So the teams that made it through to the – and then each round had a prize. Okay, now we won three of the six prizes. So we made it through to the finals. Then you go individuals. And I'm thinking, oh, now I'm stuffed because these oaks – I don't know what cucumber pirate is and shit like that. So they ask just one question. You've got three lives, one question, and then if you're out, you're out. You know? um, I mean, the other one, dude, what is the registration number of the Starship Enterprise? I know what the Starship Enterprise is, but I didn't know it was like NC17. <laughs> these oaks know it, and they looked at me like I was mad that I didn't know it. I'm like, what? But then – I kind of came to my own there because the question was like, when was the first email sent? I was alive. I know. You know, like what was the oldest, what was the biggest selling computer? Um, what came first, Atari or the Walkman? Again, I was alive. I do remember those Wait, were days. Were you alive when the first email was sent? Uh, no, I wasn't. 71. 71. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't. Just not alive. I was about to say. But they were thinking about it. They <laughs> might have even been practicing. <laughs> I have to check. Um, yeah, no, two years before. Oh, well, anyway, but. I kind of, I knew that date. And, um, yeah, so I came fourth out of like, I think it was nine of us that made it through to the finals. Um, some cool prizes. But so how did I get to that of the, of the week for that? So it's very simple. So now we have all these prizes, right? But we have to divvy them up because it's not individual. We've won three rounds. The one was like a, um, robot vacuum and one was like a bubble head and one was a gaming keyboard. So we kind of had to work it out. So the guy said, well, let's choisy it. And I'm like, I'm supposed to know what that means. I do now. So choisy is a little app. And you, what you do is you just put your fingers on the screen. You can put up to five fingers on a screen. And a little like light appears around your finger. And it randomly chooses a winner. So the other four disappear. And if the light's on yours, you get to choose. So if you ever need to make a decision, like you need to go first or I'd go first. I don't know. Let's choisy it. So it's C-H-W-A-Z-I. And it's a free app, and it's just—it was awesome. That sounds like a very geeky way to select well, something. I, I can you know show what a better you, way is? The better way is with that. <laughs> no, not Ching Chong Cha. Remember that game where you actually hold the beer mug with the shot, which is uh, which shocks you randomly. Oh, God, if you let go, that's a much better. We way didn't to have select. one of those. You remember, we were geeks. We yeah, were yeah, sure, so we weren't sure. there drinking beer. Actually, afterwards we did. So Chuazi is my app of the week. It worked fantastically. Um, it was fair. And you know, the funny thing is like the guy said, cause I didn't know what it was. Like, okay, let's just do a practice run so you can see. And then we'll do another one so you can see it's random. I'm like, dude, I understand random. It's cool. Anyway, I didn't get the prize that I really wanted, but, uh, it's <laughs> what fine. What prize is it? Well, one of the prize one was a little NES, the Nintendo NES, the nostalgia version with all the preloaded games in it. Um, so we made that like one. And then I got the space rails and the little bobble head and, and, uh, Bluetooth headset. So whoever won the Chwazi would get to choose which of those piles. I didn't win, so I didn't choose. But it's all good. Um, so thanks to – completely I'm saying thanks to Microsoft because normally Microsoft and me don't get on. But thanks, Microsoft. It was a great night out, and uh, I'm officially a nerd or a well, geek, rather. Congrats. Congrats, Brett. I don't think it's anything you should, you should publicly admit. No, but, uh, we're the new, keep, we're the new jocks, the little trophy uh, tucked oh, away. I got it. It's a bottle Under your Pentium 4. 
<laughs> Neil, I don't know if you're going to stick around for the rest of the chat. I know you just came in to have a quick uh, power. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got another five minutes. Okay, but cool. Brett, do you mind if we move a little bit away from the geeky stuff and speak about sure. something cool quickly? How's virtual reality? It, it's, uh, no, 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 not virtual reality, but no. uh, something. Um, okay, so what about pacemaker assassinations? Yeah? Yeah, that sounds cool. Okay. So, you know what the Internet of Things is, right? Yes. Okay. So, the Internet of Things, for those that don't know, um, it's basically making machines talk to each other via the web without any form of human interaction. It used to be machine-to-machine technology. So, there was a there's a, a, a health summit. I mean, there's lots of these symposiums and summits. I'm actually going to read it. But basically, connected medical devices pose security risks. But the nightmare scenario of a hacked pacemaker being used for an assassination is not top of mind for the executives in charge of security at the major health systems. So the reason then it's not top of mind is because no one's figured out quite how to monetize a direct-to-patient harm. That's what they've got terminology for it. Wow. Um, but I mean, imagine that, like, you know, your husband or wife's going in to see the cardiologist. You really don't like them. They're worth a shitload of cash. And then, boom, comes through the dark web, take out the pacemaker. It seems natural. You know, it's just a malfunction. It won't blow up or anything. We'll just yeah. stop. So you'll, you'll be fine. And then you'll go into cardiac arrest and you'll die, which would be great for the person. Um, but they, but then they kind of took a little bit, you know, typical America, it was, a, it was an American article, but then they take the sidestep, you know, they always like try and cover and they go, however, we have seen an increase in ransomware, which we never thought would have happened five or 10 years ago. So like anonymous and the boys must be sitting there going, Hmm, internet of things, fantastic. <laughs> Who do we get to take out? So I don't know. So pacemaker assassinations, I'd, you know, if I had one, I'd like to be the first because I, that's quite cool. You were the first guy to be, to, killed, to be killed by your pacemaker. So, well, you know, it would be interesting if these things actually go. I don't know if this is this is uh, the technology you're referring to, but if they go, actually go online, and you could actually hack them like you could uh, an IP address. Well, that's uh, what for, it is. Oh, so, it, is yeah, it, on, yeah, is it, it online? Or, so, what happens is when you go to the doctor, okay, they plug you into a machine. So, if you've got a pacemaker or any any medical insert or, or thing that you've had, you you go for like like you service your car. So you plug, okay, I got So you. they plug you into the ECC, GED, yeah. those machines, yeah. the things with the stickies, um, and then you're hooked up to a computer. That computer is hooked up to the network because it has to store your data. Sure. So if it's hooked to a network, the network's hooked to the internet, the internet's open, bang, these guys can come through. So, uh, they, so it's actually when you're at the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking more along home. the lines of uh, maybe they've got a 3G card or whatever, and I mean, it could ultimately get However, to that's quite an interesting discussion because if it, the way they're looking at now is that a lot of these um, pacemakers have got Bluetooth built into them or NFC mm. so that the patient can actually check on his phone or his, her phone, battery life, things like that, you know, if it's functioning, etc., which means that it is connected to the phone, Correct. which means it actually is still connected, it's even it's at home. Yeah. So you go to sleep. And boom, yeah, if your phone's gone. on, you're gone. That's, yeah. So well, at least it's peaceful. But you know, this, this is the kind of shit that we talked about in movies. You know, yeah. like if you, if you watch movies in the, the 70s and 80s, they had all this like high tech stuff. It's happening. You know, it's like actually happening. The people are thinking. The fact that someone stood up and talked about direct to patient harm as a category. Yeah. You know? So um, don't worry about like your company being hacked. Worry about your uh, heart being hacked. Your heart being hacked. <laughs> Does Snapchat interest you? Do you use Snapchat? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Snapchat now apparently have launched groups. 
mm-hmm. which is something everyone's been wanting. So I'm just like, no, so now you can look like a douchebag with lots of people. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but for that, I don't use Snapchat. I mean, my son loves it. He's always taking a little snap with a, you know, with the little funny animations yeah. and that on. And, uh, it's actually quite cute, the things that he shares. But, uh, apparently groups has been something people have wanted to do where they could participate and share in real time. So they've done it. But the one thing, the only reason I'm, I'm like even mentioning Snapchat is it, even though I don't use it, but I'm not the target is they're one of the networks that are really changing things. Like they, they, I mean, they're little spectacles. Have you seen the spectacles? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd actually like to get my hands on a pair of those. I'd like to see how it works. But what is concerning, and this is your realm because you're the guy that keeps the lights on. So for all those people that don't know, Neil's our man. He keeps our lights on, yeah? So when you want to come and sponsor our show, please speak to Neil. <laughs> um, but what, what you probably wouldn't know is that advertisers are actually stopping spending on Snapchat. So even though the, the network's growing and the engagement's growing daily – they can't really figure out how to get that brand love and brand presence from it. You know, like at, at first it was there, it was new, it was conversational. Now it's waning a bit. So, Absolutely. Well, obviously, uh, uh, and this is the trick with advertising these days is you've, you've got to, um, beyond just brand love, um, which is not really measurable, you obviously need to have engagement involved. And I'm not sure exactly how you do that with uh, with Snapchat. Well, this is the thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it plays, but – I think it's like all all of these networks. You know, they have to just keep reinventing themselves. And as long as their money is is never ending and available, um, you know, I, I think we'll we won't ever see a Facebook, a Twitter, a, a Snapchat actually disappear. Might become acquired, but they'll never disappear. I mean, they're always going to be there and, and doing something. So yeah, that was my my stuff on Snapchat. Um, do you use Bluetooth? You have a Bluetooth car kit? Yes, uh, yes, I do. Okay, or Bluetooth headset. So Bluetooth 5 has now officially been launched. So we won't see it. I mean, we won't see it on our devices. But where, where it is really cool is that your, um, your connectivity will be twice as fast. Now, this was critical because Apple, with their new iPhone, have come under massive fire because they don't have an earphone jack. So one, this is perfect timing because if you're using a Bluetooth headset, there won't be that lag or uh, connectivity because the speed is double Bluetooth 4. Um, what speed is that? Brett, do I know? don't know how to actually okay. measure it. Yeah, I don't know what the is handshake it, is, it, is. It is it is it similar to an internet connection in terms of speed or uh, in terms? It of is how measured the it? same way. Okay, but it's nowhere near what we have on internet. Yes, it's probably course. if I had to guess, and if Brett was here, you'd have the fingers going and be on Google. If I had to guess, I'd probably say it's about five hundred and twelve kilobits to maybe a meg. Yeah. is probably where it's. So if they're talking about twice as fast than a meg or two megs. Yeah. So which is. It's, it's decent. Yeah. You know? Um, but the, the, um, range, okay, um, is going to be eight times the bandwidth. So at the moment, Bluetooth is comfortable at about 10 meters. Now they're saying you'd be able to go to comfort of 80 meters. So if you think you're smart home, you've got yes. your phone in your hand, you're walking all around, you can't really control your devices if you're not close enough to them. Now you could. Yeah. So that does change things. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It's an important, and you know, Bluetooth is a very, very important protocol for everything. Mm. You know, we use Wi-Fi and that, but Wi-Fi and even your watches, yeah, my watch they all yeah. pair with Bluetooth yeah. as the the main handshake. So they announced that now this week. So we will start to see Bluetooth five um, roll out. The rest of my little conversations before my guest joins me is AR or VR. Your choice, or you can go, or you can stay, or should I stay, or should I go? Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about AR and VR if you want to chat. If you do have to duck, yeah, no, I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, just, just sorry, just back to that Bluetooth question. Um, yes. 
obviously Wi-Fi has got a higher throughput and it's a bit more complicated to connect to it. Um, so they serve different purposes. But wouldn't it make sense due to the throughput and the coverage of Wi-Fi that that would be a preferred medium of connection or is it a more complicated? No, because it's not as stable. Not Wi-Fi stable, is okay. much – Bluetooth Bluetooth is great for listening to music, um, remote control, like controlling a TV or, or any form of hardware. Uh, basic features like lights, they use it a lot as a as a double check. So even though you connect it on Wi-Fi, so the watch is a great example. Any of the smart watches use both, use Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is where the big data push comes, the updates, the the connectivity, etc. But the Bluetooth is the handshake. That's the secure because it has a passcode. Yes. So it's a one to one, whereas Wi-Fi can be one to thirty two. Okay. So it's not as secure. Sure. So that's pretty much where Bluetooth, and that's why Bluetooth will always have its place. Sure. Uh, but it's an open protocol. I mean, no one really owns it or takes royalties from it. And that, you know, there's the Bluetooth forum. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's it's definitely one of our better connectivity um, protocols. protocols that we've had in the last 15 years. Okay. So there it is. So I'm going to move into AR. Sure. You can sit. You can go. Yeah, let's thank chat, you. Uh, let's chat AR VR. Okay. So AR. Uh, Nike have finally made a play into the augmented reality space, but this one's a, this is an interesting one, and I'm quite I'm not quite sure if this to me represents AR, but they filed a patent for a workout buddy, so the system will take a a, um, a user's past exercise performance, and then in an effort to motivate the current session, so the idea is being that uh, if you're training, um, you'll be like almost compelled or challenged to to better your past workout, which they've already been doing. But the patent has, has, says something about um, – it states that those using the workout system can choose to compete against avatars representing other users. So I think they're using the word augmented in the sense of it's ancillary. You're not actually going to see other users like in the room with you or anything like that. You know, I look at ARs overlaying information that's coming through through your camera. This to me is that they're actually augmenting information from other players, but it's not in real time. Which is what they're doing already. So correct. The, well, that's why. But they've actually just gone and filed this patent. You know. So I don't know. Maybe I, maybe it's it's too vague, and none of us yeah. are actually following it. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and then I always okay. So you, and I, and you and I both share. I mean, like with Layla and Layla's journey and sure. all that kind of stuff. We both have our, our our little interests. For me, hearing and visual impairment are, are two of my things that I like to support. Finally, so for the visually impaired, someone called, uh, they called Morton. Um, they're based in Illinois and, um, they've built an app that will use augmented reality to help visually impaired people. So if you're walking, you hold your camera like almost like in your, in line with your chest or where your head would be and it will see, um, boxes or, or chairs or, or things, um, that are in your way and then talk to you. So it'll say, just to the left is an obstacle about 1.2 meters high. You know, if you, and then when you move, it'll give you a beep that says you're clear. So it'll help you actually wow, navigate your way. Like yeah. having cars. But the same built, type of built thing. For, um, yeah. So, I mean, it won't be, it won't be foolproof. Um, but what they're saying that's also quite nice is that it actually will work on bone conduction. So you wear a headset. So you don't even, eventually you won't even need to have your phone like talking to you or your screen active or anything like that. And because of bone conduction, it goes straight through to your, your brain and your reciprocal mm. like, quicker, you know. So it's nice to see that these guys are actually looking at using tech, not just for marketing, but ac- that will help a lot of people. Sure. And, you know, visual impairments also, uh, it's also an age thing. It's not just like blind people. You know, as you get older, things are a bit more, um, 
you know, it's harder to see. And they say that they reckon that it will actually help stop people tripping and therefore falling. So for the elderly who are frail, they won't break bones as easily. My only problem with that, though, is the older people generally can't use a smartphone. They battle with it. So it'll be interesting to see, but well done, Morton. Um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked that you, you're making a play into something better. Uh, well, that, well, that sounds like you actually finally found a useful Google Goggles because it can ultimately integrate that's into That's actually the, a bloody good idea, huh? Yeah, which is directional, obviously. So wherever, wherever you look, that's um, where there's uh, – you can see whether it's open obstacles or not. Yeah, we talked about Glass. Google Glass is what is the okay. proper yeah, – yeah, go, no, so well, no, Goggles was an app that actually scanned products uh, and told okay. you what they were. So they did have Goggles. So Glass was just too ahead of its time. Sure. Uh, they got a bad rap. People look – they call them Glass Holes. You know, because guys used to walk around with their, their headset on. And, of course, guys went into, like, gyms and, you know, so chicks didn't dig it. Um, <laughs> Which is very important yeah, when it comes course. to any tech. But, um, yeah, so I'd like to see Glass come back, but I, I don't know if they've lost the play. You know, maybe things like like Snapchat spectacles, as they call it, they could do the same thing because it's got a camera that's active and it's a lot more funky and it's becoming more acceptable. So maybe maybe 2017 we'll start to see the, the wearable eyewear take off again um i know zeiss has played in that space as well so yeah um okay so vr this one this one you'll like it's white helmets so it's a documentary <clears throat> so viceland and samsung i suppose samsung has to do something to divert the attention away from what they've been from going exploding through phones, yes. yeah um they they've they've collaborated on a, a vr documentary called white helmets and it's designed to give the viewers a perspective of the Syrian war. Now, the film follows the group um, of volunteers that are in the rescue division, hence White Helmet, you know, the medics. Um, but you actually get to see what they see. So it's been shot in full 360. Wow, that sounds incredible. So you get immersed into the Syrian war. And I think it's probably important for people to see it because war is not good. Yeah. I mean, and what's going on with these people is ridiculous. And they reckon they're going to show the carnage. They're going to show the – you will see what the camera saw. So you'll be totally immersed into it. Um, I don't know if it's out yet. I know it's been announced. You probably find that something like this would be saved for South by Southwest, which is always, I think, February, March. Yeah. That's where those like launch movies and cool stuff. So something to keep on the radar. I'd definitely like to see White Helmets. I think that's that's quite a good use of, of VR. I wonder if the SABC will flight it. <laughs> well, they've fired their – oh, no, they haven't. They've suspended him, huh? Yeah. Um, here's one just for you, Neil. VR infidelity. Um, <laughs> so the PC authority has examined the ethics of virtual reality infidelity. Okay? Wow. So with VR and AR designed to remove you from your real world and heighten your reality <laughs> of human fantasy, okay, studies are showing that the effects of illicit sexual encounters can actually bleed over into the real life now more forcefully – than other forms of sex online or sex play. So um, they've, they, I'm laughing because I'm reading it. They've, with the addition of things like teledildonics. Tele <laughs> teledildonics. No, I think the potential for relationship. Yeah, so your potential now for relationship dynamite is huge. I mean, you've got a dildo with telecommunications. and So, yeah, well, you're now going to have – I hope Samsung doesn't Could you it. imagine, huh? <laughs> Boom. That did, did I rock your world? <laughs> so that's a new thing. We're going to see legal cases of, 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 of VR infidelity. What would you say? If your significant other had a mask on and was living in a second life or something like that and was sorting 
herself out, so to I say. With can't, Tilly, I can't even go there. Would you get upset? I can't even, I can't even figure that. I can't even go there. Uh, I suppose you've got to no, take it one step back. It's like masturbation. Already, yeah. You know, if you accept that in your relationship, then why not VR? You know, I don't know. This is the wrong show for that. There yeah, are yeah, shows on Club Central that has that. There we go. So, yeah, you have to ask her about uh, VR infidelity. Um, Neil, my guest is, is online on Skype, so please stay Thank if you, you want. I know yeah. you're busy. Gotta, Thank I've you for chatting. Go keep the but awesome. Thanks, thanks for, for keeping chatting. me, uh, thanks for keeping me company and, uh, we'll chat soon, buddy. And you can follow me on, on uh, Twitter, Twitter at, 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 at uh, hashtag futurology. <laughs> yeah, you see, you're doing Brett's job well. Huh? Brett, uh, B2, you might be, you might be out of work, my bud. Anyway, right. cool. Thanks very much. Thanks, and we'll please. chat to you soon. Thanks. Like Cool. Ari, are you there? I am here. How's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. So I don't know if you were listening while you were on hold. Um, I don't know if you heard the part that we were chatting about, about virtual reality infidelity. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I, yesterday morning I was um, – watching, uh, I believe, the world's first narrative, um, sort of not feature length, but for the full length VR film. And, uh, you know, in, in the middle of it, uh, the, the camera got too hot, the phone got too hot, so I had to pull out. And, uh, you know, I asked <laughs> Just guy, listen to the words you just <laughs> used. <laughs> it's, I know, <laughs> that was just, well, right, right on, on par for the conversation. 100%. But, um, I asked him, how did you, you know, you really, it looks like you perfected sort of the camera angles and how you've, um, you know, filmed this and sort of documented that first person experience, you know, looking out of the eyes of the protagonist. Uh, and they, you know, they kind of looked at each other and said, well, you know, we do have some experience doing this. And I was like, well, what, you know, tell, tell me more. And like, well, we, we've dabbled in the adult industry. And, uh, you know, it turns out that's where they, um, They've made a lot of money, and uh, there's a burgeoning uh, market there. And um, believe it or not, it's uh, you know porn for women in VR. No, so, well, I think that's great. I mean, I remember. So, carry on. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think infidelity is an absolute. Yeah, very likely. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't put it past them. See the question, though, and that's what I was saying to Neil before he had to leave us is. Is it actually infidelity in the in the definition? Like, you know, if you have that kind of relationship where you don't mind if uh, your significant other takes care of business when they need to, then what difference should it make what uh, apparatus or, or aids they use, you know? Um, but, I mean, we've got CES coming up in three weeks' time. And when I rewind the clock to 2016 you know, in Jan, um, that's what hands down took the, the show awards was virtual reality and, and cyber sex toys, you know. So, you know, the world's definitely going that way. Um, I know, I know you're very involved in virtual reality and, and augmented. So that's why I thought it'd be a, a nice topic to, to kick off with, um, you know, getting on the call. But the other thing that I wanted to bounce off you, cause I don't know if you've heard this, um, this terminology. I know, we refer to augmented reality. We talk about um, virtual reality. We talk about mixed reality. Um, I came across SR, substitutional reality. Have you heard of that? I have not, but that sounds like someone trying to co coin their own technology so that they can take advantage of a bit of uh, PR. But t tell, tell me more. So, what, what, what did that yeah, so I, I mean, I'll read the, the release goes as far as it says it uses a simple trick to take virtual reality 
to startling convince, startlingly convincing levels. So in an SR experience, the headset wearing user's field of view is subtly swapped out with a pre-recorded 360 VR image of the same panorama. So that can then be um, put into the VR world. So a human's brain is so insistent on filling the gap between reality and virtual reality, the substitutional reality illusion becomes incredibly convincing. So what they're saying is that, you know, when we're looking at VR in, in the normal way, um, you know, the limitations are there with the headset and what the camera picks up. They're saying they pre-recorded it. Now, I actually saw, I think it was Audi that did a, um, that did a campaign where they put people in cars and they gave them VR headsets and then made them think they were experiencing a, a track, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, like like speeding around a track, you know, going on a hot lap on a track. But they actually were driving around the track. They had a driver get into the car quietly once the headset had been doned, and there was a dash cam, and they actually were feeding the dash cam into the headset. So that's kind of substitutional reality as well. And that was about six months to a year ago. So, yeah, SR. You know, when when the virtual's not good enough, you can obviously just add to it I, I don't know maybe you're right maybe it's just like a, a, a keyword or someone trying to capitalize but they're definitely paying attention to it on the on the interwebs so that's what I came across totally well I, it, before we move on I was just at a uh, there, there are probably I think six or seven different um, AR VR AR VR MR 360 video um, just meetups in in Australia in Sydney alone, let alone uh, Melbourne, which has its own. And um, the 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 speaker that organized it was leading the audience on. The audience was mix of developers, designers, um, you know, Unity uh, experts, uh, and the like, and then a few people like myself who were you know more you know along for the for the ride of it. Um, and he was. In intentionally using the saying AR in his slides and pointing at hollow lenses, which were sitting on the side for a demo, um, you know, and saying, you know, we're producing content, we're going to be, you know, joined together to build this community for content for AR and hollow lenses, you know, arguably MR, you know, and so I, he asked, I asked to, you know, be, be either semantically correct or let's choose AR as everything that's not fully immersive. And get rid of MR, and uh, you know, he said, "Come up to the stage and explain it." And I, I don't know if your audiences, uh, you know, are, are intrigued by AR, MR, VR, SR. Definitely. I mean, we talk about <laughs> yeah. it. We talk about so, it every week. So it's, you definitely got the right yeah. audience listening. Yeah, um, I, I think you know we we've got some really progressive activity happening in the space in Australia. Um, I think one of the world's first. Um, 3D volumetric uh, still image and video capture companies here. Um, they're doing some amazing work. Uh, we've got 20th Century Fox invested in them. Alibaba's invested in them. Um, and, you know, that, that substitutional reality, I, I think it really, we, we need to kind of come to a grip and say either you're putting something in the real world, um, you know, and you're augmenting what you see, or you're going into a fully immersive uh, experience where you've got, you know, headgear on that's, um, you know, got a field of view that's covering everything that your eyes can possibly see. Uh, and I'm not sure I'd, I'd, I'd raise my hand and say, Hey, everyone out there listening, let's, let's tally a vote. Maybe, you know, hit up Cliff Central and say, if you want to get rid of MR and just keep it AR and VR, 
Uh, I don't know, Brett. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my only concern is that we're going to dilute two really awesome technologies. That's that's kind of where yeah. I, where my concern comes in when we start talking about MR, SR, a, you know, I, AIR, and so on. So I agree with you. I think I think the two should be kept together, uh, kept separately. When you use them jointly, mixed reality, fantastic. But don't don't tag it, don't label it, because the last thing we need now is to have MR specialists, because fundamentally they're still drawing from two very different uh, technologies. You know, I did a keynote a little while ago where I said the, the difference between augmented and virtual reality is augmented reality opens the world up to you and overlays, whereas virtual reality closes everything off from you and focuses you down into, you know, into your one screen. Um, we already have enough technologies out there that are, are closing us off from the world. I mean, our, our kids are walking around with their heads down on their phones all day long. Um, you know, I mean, people have to start developing apps they turn on the camera so you can see when to stop. In fact, I think that's in Australia as well. It picks up sensors or lights um, at the traffic lights to warn you to actually stop so you don't step off the pavement because you're so busy on your phone. So I definitely don't want to see these two merge into one. And I know that Microsoft is actually trying to do that with that whole HoloLens technology. They're creating fundamentally a real MR environment. They've got the AR, they've got the VR. Now they're 360 modeling. We talked about hollow, what was it, hollow scoping or hollow conferencing or something last week. Hollow porting. Hollow porting, thank you. At least I know someone listens to my show. (laughs) You know, and that's mixed. (laughs) So that's, uh, but I, I, I suppose just to take a step back as well, I never even introduced you properly and the reason why I wanted to get you back on. So, Aria Sternberg from Beyond Intent. Um, you can hear it's an American accent, but currently in Australia. We had you on the show a few weeks ago, and um, you, you, we kind of ran out of time, and you touched on a topic called intent marketing. And I got the signal that the show's at the top of our, we kind of sped through it. Um, and why why I wanted to speak to you today, and it's, it's, it's such a pity that B2 isn't here. Last week, B, Brett, uh, Brett 2, Brett Lindsay, Coined, you know, he, he likes to identify years. So this year for him was the year of innovation. And I think it was. Um, he's called 27 as the year of engagement. Now, what you started talking about with intent, um, and the definitions, which you can just take us through that now as well. To me, if we're talking about 2017 being the year of engagement, then this intent marketing and the focus on, on having intent, those two should go hand in hand. So I know Brett will listen to the podcast, but I'm sure you would have had a gazillion billion questions. Uh, but sorry for him. He wants to go and relax on holiday while others work. Then he must miss out. So I think take us through what intent actually is because I can tell you now that South Africans do not know what that is. And I know we have a global audience and I know, well, case in point yourself. Um, and I know around the rest of the world this intent and intent marketing is becoming something or is something. Um, but yeah, yeah, just take us through it. Sure. I think the, you know, taking a step back and we just, you know, we think about marketing and, and advertising and the, the, the days of Mad Men where you, you, you crack a brief and you, you have a single message that goes out to the entire audience. You're using, you know, above the line media, television, reach out and talk to everybody and, you know, everyone's watching TV. Uh, at the same time, they're watching the same show and everyone sees the same ad. You've got the jingle and everyone, you know, starts whistling it and people, you know, the frequency of, of coming across that piece of media is, is quite a bit. Um, you know, that 
is no longer the case. The disruption and the the fractionalization of media. Um, you know, you mentioned before, uh, kind of the young people with their heads in their phones. Um, we, in, in on average, um, have at least 300 ads coming across our screen screens every day, um, and we don't necessarily count them, but they're there. And your subconscious, non-conscious are picking those up. And that doesn't even count the, you know, however many hundreds of notifications that distract you. So, you know, at any given time, from a media and advertiser perspective, you've got to be as precise as possible in your communication. Um, And unless you're really understanding who the audience is, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and where they are, um, are they even your customer, you know, you can't be wasting money on media unless you're you've got some semblance some semblance of understanding that uh, they're going to be someone that's going to become a customer or are a customer, and that's where intent comes in. So you know, intent, it's intention. You know, I I I have the intention to do something, and right. uh, being able to measure that, um, if did someone click on an ad, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to even say that when, you know, we can measure whether or not the ad was even seen and was it seen by the right person? Was it in an environment that was safe for your brand? There there are so many things that we can measure and data points. Um, It's time to actually take this data in the hand, put it all into, you know, the right engine, do some extrapolation and understand, are we getting the ads in front of the right people and are they engaging with them the right way? Okay, so now... This is, you know, one of the challenges that we have here, and I think even maybe globally. I mean, the internet's been around for ages, but this whole boom into online and e-commerce, and you know, people know about cookies and people see remarketing from Google. That's not what we're talking about, and I think that's what actually intrigued Brett and myself is that that's been done. You know, so all you're doing with following a cookie is is make getting an opportunity to throw another ad into the 300 ads we're already getting. Um, this is different, right? I mean, this is now drilling down into different data sets, different levels. Totally, totally. Well, you, you just, you just touched on something and, you know, we talk about remarketing and and people nod their head and say, yes, I know remarketing. That means, you know, when I go and and click on an ad or go into a website and then I leave and I get chased by a creepy ad that seems to know where I am (laughs) and know who I am, right? It freaks so many people out that. It freaks you out, and that is a poor example of like poorly modeled intent. Especially, uh, my friend was saying he went in, he bought tickets to you know a flight to somewhere like Bali or something, and then it kept trying to sell him tickets to Bali. Yeah, like Nate's, he's already bought the ticket. How about offering him like, hey, when you're in Bali, why don't you go try check out this beach, or here's a couple of restaurants you might like, or hey, thank you for buying tickets. Would you like an upgrade or would you like to buy some snacks for your flight? Like it, it, it's that kind of, you know, understanding. And when, before you start, ask the question, what does the experience of a consumer look like? Where are they going to be um, making that purchase decision? At what point in time are they thinking about it? Are they really considering it? Are they actually going to buy it? And then after they bought it, who are they and what are they going to do? Because once they bought it, they've made that decision. Why not have them be your friend and tell their friends and, you know, share and say, hey, I love this company. This is great. Why don't you do it with me? Instead, we bombard them with these ads over and over. Uh, hey, buy it again. Buy it again. It's like, dude, 
I just bought a Mercedes. I'm not going to be buying one for two or three years. Right. Thank you, but no thank you. You know. So, so let me pose a question to you then because, I mean, I'm in advertising and I have been my entire career pretty much. So a good 15, 20 years I've been a madman. And, uh, you know, I'd sit with a client. And this is, again, even before the days of, of digital and now even more so in the days of digital because of the return on investment and the fact that we can track everything. But I would sit down with a client and the client would say to me, um, should I advertise on the Futurology show on Cliff Central? I mean, obviously I'm going to say yes because it's damn right. I don't have to, to go any further. Client trusts me. Boom, we advertise. They make money. I make money. We're all happy. And uh, the station's happy. That was just a shameless pun for anyone that wants to advertise on the Futurology show. So back to a real example. I'm now sitting with the brand and marketing manager of a car, uh, any car, and they say to me, does it make sense to go and put money into this medium and that medium? The job of the strategic director or the planner and the media planner is to say, well, yes, because um, we've seen success there or you get eyeballs here and so on. Now that we've moved into digital, the whole conversation has turned into return on invest, uh, investment and measurability. That seems to be the two words. So they've taken all forms of human skill or opinion off the table and they start with, how much is it going to cost me? How much more money am I going to make when I when I sell the product? And how do you guarantee me the eyeballs? So going back to what, what Brett, the other Brett was saying with regards to the year of engagement, surely this is what we should be looking at now. Now we've got to sit there and go, well, you know, we are going online. How do we go online? What are the tools or what are the solutions that we need to put in place? And, and I'm assuming that's kind of what you're talking about with intent because we have intent. We, we want to go and buy. That's what we want to do. It is. It is. So you mentioned cookies before, and I think we all kind of know that we have cookies being, you know, dropped on us and they are, you know, they're doing something, uh, somehow passing information about us back to whoever dropped them on us. And, you know, cookies, just to explain a little bit, they're, they're just code. You know, when, when you see an ad, not even clicking an ad, when you see an ad, when you land on a website, when you go to Facebook, a, a cookie is put on your device, uh, whether it's your browser on your desktop, on your phone, on your tablet, um, on your Xbox, on your Chromecast, uh, browser, wh- wherever it is. And, and that begins, you know, kind of recording your activity so that when that, when the advertiser, whoever put the cookie on you sees you again and says, Oh, hey, Here's this person again. Let's update that data to say what that person's been doing. And in the same way, we use tags or pixels, which is the same thing, piece of code that we put onto, let's say, an advertiser site. You mentioned Nike before. Yeah. So if I'm interested in buying Nike, right, I'm going to put a pixel on the homepage of Nike so that when I click on an ad and I click through and I land on the homepage or the page that that ad directs me to, that pixel on the Nike page fires and says, hey, this person is now showing intent in buying Nike. Now let's see what happens next. If I go on the Nike site and search for, you know, say Air Jordan circa, you know, let's see, 1997, um, and then you go click on that page, it says, okay, now I know this person is not only interested, but there is an Air Jordan 1997. Click on the black ones, like the black ones. I leave, it can show me the black Nike Air Jordans in an ad. It can show me them in a piece of content. It knows that I like that because that pixel fired and it dropped, it updated the cookie that it dropped on me to say, I know that much more about this person. 
Um, now, depending on the pixels that are dropped, I can be tracking the kind of content people are looking at. You know, it might be that uh, I am not actually a man. I'm actually a woman, and I'm looking for Nike Air Jordan 1997 black color for my husband who happens to, you know, have a huge Air Jordan uh, fetish for whatever reason. Is this, uh, is this so a confession, Aurea? I mean, uh, you, you went quite specific. No, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not, it's not, but I'm, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a piece of data that I saw earlier tonight and there's this massive platform that we use, uh, can't mention the name, but what it does is it scrapes content off of, uh, the top, you know, thousands of sites that are ranked on Alexa. It then pulls the public profiles that are available in LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Then it pulls all of the organic searches that happen in Google linked between the keyword that searched and where it landed on those sites that are listed on Alexa, dumps it into a huge data warehouse and then runs some artificial intelligence over it to look for patterns. So we're, I was looking at iPhone earlier. It says, well, iPhone users are gamers. And so it's statistically, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Statistically valuable. Data so basically, yeah, because if you know there. that they like gaming, then obviously any gaming company exactly. wants to speak to someone that's got an iPhone. And I suppose you know that it's an iPhone that's engaging with the website because of the the, the handshake that comes through on the connection. Um, yep. I, I wanted to pick up on something because – sorry to cut you off, but before it, it runs oh, out okay. of my out of my head, um, you know, pixels are not really a, a terminology that most normal people would use. Cookies we see, and we see this every time you go to a website nowadays, a message will pop up saying, this site uses cookies, um, please accept, yes or no, or you, know, you, or you accept, the, whatever the wording is. I mean, it's irrelevant. What happens if I say no? If I say no, I don't accept the cookies. Are they still tracking me? Do you lose me then as a potential uh, client? You can't follow me any further? Or is it just like lip service, uh, in your opinion? I mean, it's, that is an excellent question. And well, thank you. That's why I'm sitting here. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you've got to go into the terms and conditions. Likely, they're still going to be dropping a cookie on you, but what they'll do is they'll anonymize whatever they know about you and not record the PII, which is the personal, personally identifiable information. So they won't record your email. They won't record your name. They won't record. Uh, they will record your, your location. They may record your gender. Um, and then they will record whatever content you're looking at, but they won't ad identify it directly with you. So that cookie may be dropped, but it might be um, not collecting the data. And and that's why, you know, I, I bet you if you asked every single person listening right now, when's the last time you looked at terms and conditions on a website when they asked you that kind of data about, you know, do, do you mind dropping cookies or you know, downloading an app, click, click this, connecting with Facebook. Yep. You know, do you know that every time you connect with Facebook, Facebook is collecting all that data of whatever you're doing and whatever you connected with Facebook or Google for that matter? Yeah, I know it's scary. Um, and so, yeah. It's and, really scary. That, well, that's the question. Is it scary? We use ad blockers because we don't want uh, to see the ads, but then the ads pay for the content. And the ads are meant to give us, you know, useful information that allow us to, you know, learn about new products and services out there that are kind of meant for us. Well, so well, if, if the ads were smart, 
right? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, and I'm, again, sorry to cut you off. It's obviously over the distance when I can't see it. It's, it's hard to get that signal, so I apologize. But I don't block ad blockers, and I actually talk about it on my show quite regularly. The fact that I'm getting content for free or apps for free, someone has to pay. Nothing in life is free. So I actually get quite angry when people put ad blockers in because what that's going to do is it's actually going to make me have to start paying for good content as, as opposed to being exposed to an ad, um, you know, and, and or an inconvenience of a page takeover for um, 30 seconds or whatever it might be. Um, the, the one thing I – when I was like looking at an intent and trying to um, – research for today so i kind of could at least pretend i knew what i was talking about when we when we as and and i mean i'm talking about from the media the marketing side at this moment in time i can get basic demographics i can look at impressions and clicks because these are the things that people ask i've had that even with my show how many page views how much time is spent how many downloads of the app or views of the videos and then of course my favorite how many likes or shares or tweets there's still brand managers out there that put more value on a like or a share than they do on anything else. And we both know with bot and everything else what that actually really does or rather doesn't mean. You know, you can get your basic sentiments and feelings of whether they like your brand or they don't like your brand. And, of course, then um, the geography and what device they came in on. And, and, you know, that's kind of been what we've been doing for years. You were telling me about a lot more information things that are probably a lot more relevant that can help me as a, as a media person and, and a marketer plan more, which sits into this intent um, discussion. You want to take us through a couple of those you know, different terminologies as opposed to the basics I just went through? Sure, sure. So in, intent is really looking at clicks and looking at clicks and when an ad is viewed and sort of that chain of events that eventually, you know, turned into a purchase or, you know, a conversion or an action that we measure as being significant. But what what's really missing is, um, on the one side, uh, what, what was that person doing as they were going through that journey? What content were they consuming? What device were they on? Where were they? Um, you know, were they on their phone? Were they standing in line for coffee? Were they, you know, on their commute to and from work? Uh, were they watching TV and happened to be browsing on their phone during a commercial break or because they were just bored? Um, the other side of it is, who are they? You know, what, what makes them who they are? And this is where we start really needing to map their consumer interests and values and understanding the narrative around content that they consume. Um, what we do at Beyond Intent is we've kind of put this together and said, okay, how do we figure out what we know or what we don't know? We start with the data, right? The data leads us to identify the strategy. How do we, you know, what, what problem are we solving? Because we have to understand about people, right? Definitely. That problem, right, and that strategy then lets us decide what technology do we need. All that ad tech out there, great. Adobe, fantastic. Expenses suite. Google, lots of really cool platforms. Requires a lot of experience, and you don't get much customer support. But there's some small pieces of tech that do really cool stuff like reading what content is being posted within an image. Here's the logo of Ben and Jerry's. Why is there a spoon in one image and a dog in another image? How many people like to put dogs with their Ben and Jerry's? Let's understand who those people are. So we choose the tech. Then we do actions. What what exactly are you going to do to make it work? And then last is what are we measuring? What are the results? So 
Data Strategy Technology Action Results and summarize that to DSTAR. And this is really what, you know, Beyond Intent and, and what we do is about. Um, just sum it up, you, you can apply that to different situations and we need to get past, you know, the click and the like and the video view. So what? That's the answer, the question that we're answering. Okay, so that so so basically, I mean, for my understanding, or just to summarize it, intent is more than just the obvious of I've gone to your website, I have intent. Now what? And and, and I've said in these reports, when media people have come back to me and said, you had um, 60,000 uniques this month, but I didn't sell a single thing. Oh, um, well, um, and, they, and they do the dance. You know, you know the dance, the boardroom dance. Um, if you could come into to my office and say to me, you had 60,000 uniques, 10,000 of them actually did engage with you. But what happened was they got sidetracked, they went somewhere else, they saw your product on the site and did a price check on pricecheck.co.za, um, and they actually bought there. Now you've come back to me and you said, people dig my stuff, but I'm too expensive. Now I know what to do. You know, so, um, I, I, as I said, I, I do wish that Brett, uh, Brett too had been here as well, because this is definitely, um, you know, more in his space and he plays in that space all day long. Um, but I'm sure, we will we will be speaking to you again, and um, he will listen to the podcast. If he doesn't, I'll play it for him. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, it seems like we kind of doomed again. We're back at the top of the hour as we're getting into the meat. Um, but you know, interesting. Um, just to quickly, last question: Would you agree? Is twenty seventeen the year of engagement? I think so. I think so, and I I would. You're going to hear the word intent come up a lot you're going to hear engagement come up a lot and uh you're going to see some serious disruption in in the next 12 months for sure well that does sound exciting and uh yeah i think uh there's a there's definitely an interesting ride um aria again thank you thanks for your time thanks for the input if you have uh any any information to share in that please stick it out stick the links out on twitter with the hashtag futurology so we can pick it up um, where do we find you? Website, uh, Twitter handle. You got got some information for us as we wrap up. Totally. Uh, hashtag Beyond Intent. Uh, you'll find a whole bunch of really interesting conversation there. Okay. Um, uh, at R E A Aussie A R Y E H A U S S I E on Twitter, and BeyondIntent.com.au. Okay, perfect. And uh, it's going to be exciting. All right, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us again. Um, we'll have to start making a, a once-a-month international guest appear, and uh, you're definitely our favorite one so far. So um, we'll chat to you soon, and uh, have a good Christmas and New Year's. Thanks for the opportunity, mate. Talk to you soon. Cool. Have a good one. Well, until next Bye. time, we've, we've, got to, we've got to the top of ours, so uh, I guess it's uh, until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. Cliffcentral.com.